You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. And so we are in week two of a series that we started last week called Love, Relationships, and the Church. We're talking about relationships, and we also kicked off a new cycle, a winter cycle of life groups last week. Are you guys enjoying your life groups? I've been hearing good things, good reports about some great conversations that are happening in groups. I want you to know it's not too late to jump in. Go to our app. Go to our website. Just go to Next Steps. Find life groups. Join a group. You can get plugged in and get the most out of this series. Well, let me just review our key verse for this series. It comes from John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is the words of Jesus speaking to his disciples. Here's what he said. A new command I give you, love one another. Here's the new part. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So according to Jesus, there's a lot at stake here when it comes to relationships in the church. He says, basically, if you Christians, if the church, if we can get this right in the church, if we love each other enough, this will actually become a witness to an unbelieving world. If people can see my love in you, how committed you are to each other, they might just be convinced and believe that what you teach is true, that you have something worth believing. And so we've got to get this right. This is a big deal for us as Christians. Now, last week... We talked about friendships. This week, I want to talk to you about singleness. Come on, we're all the single people, good-looking, amazing, talented, beautiful single people in the house. Don't be shy this morning. I'm so excited to announce that we are launching our redemption dating app today. It's called Sanctified Sexy Singles. Come on, somebody. (laughs) All the proceeds are going to go to our building fund. No, I'm just kidding. And I did come up with the cheesiest name possible for that. Well, we are going to talk about singleness today, and I want to ask all the married people, come on, to support our amazing singles here today. You're going to have your turn next week. We're going to talk about marriage, but today, I want to speak specifically to the singles, and I really believe if everybody leans in, we're all going to get something out of this today, but I want to talk to you about single with a mission, single with a mission. Now, for many singles, when you hear the word mission, there's only one mission that comes to mind, that is finding someone. Now, let me just acknowledge that we have singles and people here in all different stages of life. I understand. We have some people who are divorced or maybe widowed or uh, maybe you're really focused on your career, you know, or your education right now. You're just not even interested right now. But I know there are many of you who aspire to be married. You're looking for a relationship, hoping to be in a relationship one day. And maybe you, you feel this pressure at times. You feel this pressure of, of finding someone. Maybe you get pressure from your family. I know that's a lot of you. Maybe you feel the pressure of getting older and you haven't found the right person yet or all of your friends are getting married. And certainly our culture is constantly communicating. Think about this in movies and in music that somehow if you're not in a relationship, you're incomplete. Come on. We all grew up watching Disney movies. We know how this works. We're all supposed to find that perfect guy or girl that we're going to fall in love with and live happily ever after, right? Have you seen enough Disney movies to know this is true? This is what our culture conveys to us, and it subtly communicates the idea that if you haven't found someone, you can never find your happily ever after, that you're never going to be complete. Or even worse, let's be honest, sometimes our culture has a way of communicating that if you're not in a relationship, maybe something's wrong with you. And you know what's even worse than that? What's worse than that is when sometimes that idea, that message creeps into the church. 
Um, I actually reached out to a few singles in our church to kind of bounce this idea off of them and, and give me some, some things that are on their mind when it comes to this topic of singleness. And the number one response I got was this, Pastor Jeremy, we hate it when married people, even sometimes married people in the church, make us feel like we're somehow less than or somehow incomplete because we're not married. And I think there's some single people in the house who probably resonate with that. Can I just say this this morning, that the idea to be single is to be less than did not originate in Scripture. That is a message from our culture. Let me just say that to you again. The idea that to be single is to be less than, that is not an idea we find in Scripture. That's an idea that we find in our culture. Come on, how many of you know that God has a purpose for your life, and he's not caught by surprise if you're single right now. He knows everything. He sees everything. He's got a great purpose for your life. It's hard to surprise an all-knowing God. (laughs) He's not surprised that you're in this season of life that you're in right now. And so I believe he's calling you to live it with intentionality. Whatever season you're in, if you're married, if you're single, if you're widowed, if you're whatever, if you're not available, if you're available, whatever season of life you're in, that's the season to live with intentionality. And so here's the idea. Here's our big idea today. Singleness is not a problem to be solved. It's a season to be lived with intentionality. Come on, everybody say intentionality. Intentionality. Singleness isn't a problem to be solved. It's a season to be lived with intentionality. If you're single, God is calling you to live in this season with intentionality. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you some ideas about how to embrace singleness as a mission, to live on mission, to live with a sense of purpose, and to live intention, intentionality, with intentionality, okay? Now, I think we'll all get something out of this. This is especially for the singles, but married people. Uh, I know each one of these points can actually speak to you as well. But I want to invite you to take some notes today, especially those of you in the single ranks. Open up the Redemption app. There's a spot where you can take notes. I want to give you three ideas today for how to embrace singleness as a mission and to live intentionally, to live with intentionality. Here's the first one. Are you ready? Number one is pursue wholeness in Christ. Pursue wholeness in Christ. Christ, if we're going to live on mission, if we're going to live with a sense of being intentional, then I believe it starts with pursuing wholeness in Christ. You know, so many singles get caught up in this myth that they need to find another person to be complete. That's a myth. That's a story. It's, a, it's something that's sold to us quite often in, in our culture. How many of you remember the famous scene from the movie Jerry Maguire with uh, Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger, where at the end of the movie, Tom Cruise comes in and interrupts, you know, Renee Zellweger's character and all of her girlfriends, they're having their time together. And it's this big dramatic scene where Tom Cruise is like, you complete me. And how does she respond? He goes into his little speech, and Renee Zellweger interrupts me. She goes, you had me at hello. Come on, how many of you remember that scene, right? If only it were that easy, right, guys? You had me at hello. But it's this whole idea like, you know, you you complete me, right? Like finding the right person is going to complete us. Our culture gives us this image. Here's, Here's the image, that if you're single, it's like you're a half you know, walking around looking for your soulmate who is the other half, and when you find them, you're going to be complete. And maybe some of you have even bought into that image, into that myth. For example, maybe we have, you know, a single woman in the house today who's just waiting for that perfect guy, that other half to come into her life. And when he comes into your life, it's going to be wonderful. All of your problems are going to go away and you're going to be so fulfilled and you're going to finally feel complete. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, but that perfect guy is not going to come into your life and make all of your problems go away. What he's going to do is he's going to hold up a mirror to all the problems in your life and he's only going to amplify them. 
That's what's going to happen. That's how relationships work. Come on, some of the more experienced people in here can say amen to that. And so here's the idea. If you don't pursue wholeness in Christ, you'll end up trying to find it in a relationship. If you don't pursue wholeness in Christ, you'll end up trying to find it in a relationship with another person who was never designed to bring you wholeness in the first place. And that's what so many people do. Come on, we all know someone. We all know someone who bounces around from relationship to relationship, hookup to hookup, trying to find wholeness only to end up more broken. And when people live like that, they actually end up with like a bunch of little broken pieces, like a little broken part of their heart, like scattered all over the place. And can I just speak to this for just a moment? This is why it's so important. Pursuing wholeness in Christ is also about pursuing sexual integrity. And I know some of y'all, it's like insert eye roll right here. Okay, Pastor Jeremy's going to give us a talk. We've all heard it before. If you've been in church long enough that we're supposed to save sex for marriage, I thought this was a really young contemporary church. I mean, come on, Pastor Jeremy, you have skinny jeans on, and you're about to stand up here and give us some old-fashioned speech. But, but here's the idea. This is not about what you can't do. This is about integrity, right? And this is about a God who loves us and wants what's best for us. As a loving Heavenly Father, He knows how to put parameters around things to protect us. Come on, even me as a flawed earthly father, I know how to put parameters around my kids to protect them. And that's what this is about, right? This is about your integrity and God wanting to protect you in this area of your life so that your heart isn't broken and scattered in pieces. And if it is, I have good news for you. There's one who can put it back together, and his name is Jesus. Come on, his name is Jesus. There's only one person where we find wholeness, and his name is Jesus. There's only one perfect man who can walk into your life and give you wholeness, and his name is Jesus. And I have good news for you. He is available. Hashtag available. That is his status. He is available to you. You can have as much of him as you want if you just reach out for him. Another person was never meant to make you whole. Another person was never meant to to make you whole. There's only one person who can do that. Come on, how many of you know there's no person who can heal your life? How many of you know there's no person who can give you a new identity? How many of you know there's no person who can heal you from your past hurts? There's only a loving God who can do that in your life. Only a loving God who can do that. And so let's look at our key verse Again, for just a moment. Let's get this in our hearts today. John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. How many of you know the second part is determined by the first part? There's a connection. As I have loved you, you must love one another. How did Jesus love us? How did Jesus love his disciples who he was speaking to? How did Jesus love the church? Well, he went to the cross and gave his life for us. That's self-sacrificial love. We talked about this last week, that that Jesus loved us with unconditional love. That's the love of God the Father. It's unconditional love. Aren't you thankful that God didn't put conditions on his love for you? But while we were yet sinners, Christ gave his life for us. Aren't you thankful that God isn't like human beings who have a tendency to put conditions on their love? That's how Jesus loved us. So here's, here's what we have to understand. In order to love one another, we have to get the first part. We need a greater revelation of the way God has loved us. Uh, let me help you today. The, the, the greater your connection, the greater your ability to grasp this revelation of God's love for you, his unconditional, self-sacrificial love, the greater your ability will be to love other people. And so let me ask you a few questions this morning. This is for everybody, but especially our single people in the house. We honor you today. How's your capacity to receive God's love? Stop and think about that for a moment. 
Maybe have an honest conversation in your heart right now between you and the Holy Spirit. How are you doing with that whole revelation of God's love for you, that he really loves you as you are, despite your failures, despite your sins? Like, you know how you, how you failed and came up short. Even this week, do you really believe that God loves you? There's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. But by his son, Jesus, God loves and accepts you. How, how's your, your heart? to receive that today. Have you let that fill your heart? So much so that it fills the little broken cracks of your heart and brings healing, it begins to shape your identity. Is that impacting your identity? Have you allowed that to to, to shape you? Because the degree to which we can receive God's love is the degree to which we'll be able to have healthy relationships with ourselves and with other people. Come on, how many of you know before you can have healthy relationships with other people, you got to have a healthy relationship with yourself? We talked a little bit about that last week. You know, Jesus also said in the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, here's how I want you to relate to others. Love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you know it's impossible to love your neighbor well if you don't love yourself? we got to get this, right? We have to allow the love of God to shape our identity. We have to be so convinced, convinced that this becomes the bedrock of how we live and how we exist and how we see ourselves and how we think of ourselves. Because until you do that, you'll always be looking for something in another person that you can only find in Jesus Christ. You're going to just find yourself searching, and so many people are doing that. What a shame it would be for a Christian to live that way, we've been given the most fulfilling love that a person could ever find in this world. And can I just encourage you that singleness is the perfect season to pursue wholeness in Christ. Can I say that again? Singleness, it, this is the perfect season to pursue wholeness in Christ. Because when you do meet somebody, they're going to bring their stuff and their shortcomings and their past and their baggage and their debt. Hello, come on, somebody. They're going to bring their stuff. So this is the perfect time for you to work on your heart. Because you're never going to take care of somebody else's heart better than you take care of your own heart. For those of you who are single who aspire to be married one day. So this is a great time to lose the baggage. This is a great time to do the homework of the soul. This is a great time to go get therapy if you need therapy. This is a great time to read whatever books you need to read to get your heart prepared and pursue wholeness. You guys are getting quiet on me this morning. Come on, somebody. We're talking about how we live intentionally, right? How do we live on on mission, especially for those of us who find ourselves in this single season? How do we live with intentionality? Number two is pursue community. Number one, pursue wholeness in Christ. Number two, pursue Community. Come on, everybody say community. Community. Let's acknowledge that loneliness is real. Like we're living in a time in the world where we can be more digitally connected than ever before, and yet we see more relational brokenness than ever before. Isn't it amazing? There's a great need for relationships. People are relationally disconnected. I know that for many singles, like loneliness is real. You know, yeah, we can say, okay, Pastor Jeremy, I can find all the love that I need that should shape my identity and bring wholeness to my heart, but I still need another human being in my life. Yes, we we need relationships. We we need to be in community. In fact, let me show you a scripture. We're going to go back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 2. This is from the creation account. Let me set this up for you, okay? If you remember this from Sunday school, a religious ed class, God is creating, right? And he's creating the the sea and the land and and the sky and the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish and the birds and all the creatures. And every time he creates something, he says it's good. 
God calls it good. And then we get to Genesis chapter 2, and he creates Adam. He creates man, right? He breathes into him the breath of life, and he becomes a living being. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Come on, God calls everything else in creation good, and then he gets to creating man, and he says, it's not good for a man to be alone. And all the women said, amen, pastor, we could have told you that. Men are helpless by themselves. He was worried that creation was going to fall apart completely, right? (laughs) This is true. I know I need a woman to take care of me. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So this is the first time in all of creation that God actually says something is not good. Now, it doesn't mean it's not good for man to be single, okay? That's not the point. The point is that it's not good for man to be alone and isolated because God wired us for relationships. God put something inside of us. It doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. If you're a homebody or a party animal, we all need relationships. We need people in our lives because God made us that way. Man, if there was one thing that COVID exposed, it exposed how much we need relationships. When we were all in lockdown, come on, I'm thankful for social media. I'm thankful for cell phones. I'm thankful that we can connect on Zoom, but there's nothing like being together with real human beings. We need hugs. We need words of affirmation. We need each other's presence. Come on, church online. We're glad you're with us. The only thing better than you being with us online is if you were here in person with us. I'm not afraid to say it because we need relationships. We need people. Thank God for the technology that can keep us connected, but we need people in in our lives. So think about this for a moment. What was the first thing that Jesus did when he set out and began his ministry? You know, he goes to the Jordan River. He gets baptized right after, and he fasts for 40 days, and he does a few things to get ready. But when he kicks off his ministry, what's the very first thing he does? He goes out and he pursues community. He invites the 12 disciples to follow him. Do you see it? He put that right at the top of his list. This is Jesus, the Son of God, fully human, fully divine, with all power, able to do miracles. Even Jesus recognized he couldn't do it alone. He needed relationships. He needed community. And here's the thing. They didn't just do ministry together. They did life together. I think sometimes we so over-spiritualize the Gospels that we miss it. You know, it's okay to fill in the blanks a little bit and use your sanctified, Holy Spirit-inspired imagination as you read Scripture. Can you imagine I'm a guy, Jesus hung out and did life with 12 dudes. They were having some good times, guys, okay? I mean, they weren't just doing ministry together. Yeah, we see that, but they were traveling together. They were eating meals together. Can you imagine Jesus and 12 guys hanging around a campfire? Come on, there were some good stories being swapped. I mean, we only have the stuff that was written down in the Gospels. I would imagine there's some stuff that Jesus was like, don't write that down. (laughs) Have you seen some of the stuff the, the apostle Peter said? I'm sure there were things he said, don't write that down. Whatever you do, don't put that in there. They were having a good time, right? They were joking and, and having relationships and being in, in community. And this is so important. Jesus had a life group. <laughs> and this is why we encourage everybody in our church to get plugged into a life group. If you heard me talking about that before, we have groups of people who are meeting on person and in line and, and all around New York and, and Connecticut, uh, all around Westchester, who are doing life together because we need this. We need relationships. God wired us this way. This is one of the only ways that we, we grow. Um, there, there, are, there are certain places in your spiritual growth that you can only get there because of other believers in your life because they have a, an experience with Jesus that's unique and different from yours and you have a, an experience with Jesus that's unique to your story. And how many of you know when we get together, our picture of Jesus only gets bigger and better? 
when I hear your story and your experience, right? And you can encourage me, and I can encourage you, and you have a spiritual gift that I don't have, and I have a spiritual gift that you don't have, and you have a part and a role to play. That's why the Apostle Paul called it the body of Christ. We all have a part to play. And when I'm down, you can lift me up. And when you're down, I can lift you up. Come on, we really believe we're better together. That's why we need relationships. I was just messaging with one of our life group leaders this week who has a group made up of mostly singles, and she was telling me about a, a girl in her group who, who uh, just found life groups to be a safe place, a safe space where it was so relatable. She was able to share some things on her heart that she had been carrying for years, and she was finally able to get some of those things off of her chest because she found a safe space in life groups where she could relate to someone else. Do you see the power of relationship? The power of community, and many of you have experienced that. Many of you have experienced this idea of true community, to have somebody praying for you, to have somebody encouraging you, to have somebody who can say, I know how you feel. Let me show you another scripture from Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 10. It says, two people are better off than one. Come on, two of you is better than one of you, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Come on, how many of you have ever felt like you've fallen before and you needed somebody to help pick you up? Anybody ever had some circumstances in life that came along and just knocked you down and you felt like you needed somebody to pick you up? Anybody ever had an overwhelming season where your emotions, you just felt like you were down in the dumps and you needed somebody to come along and encourage you and lift you up? Anybody in here, you ever felt like you've gone backwards spiritually, right? Maybe fallen off the hard horse spiritually and maybe crashed and burned. And you just need somebody to encourage you, not condemn you, not throw your sin in your face, but reach a hand out, pray for you, encourage you, and pick you up. Am I the only one in the house this morning? I think we've all been there before. And this is the power of relationships. Listen to me, especially single people. You don't just need community to overcome loneliness. You need other believers in your life to help you flourish. Come on, to help you grow, to help you become the person that God designed you to be, to help you lean into everything that God has for your life, to help you get to the destination that he has for your life. And so how do you know if you have the right friends? This scripture helps us out. It's really simple. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. How do you know if you have the right friends in your life? If they're helping you. Come on, if they're helping you become the person that God called you to become, if they're helping you grow spiritually, if they're helping encourage you in your walk with God, if they're helping you get to the destination that God has for you. And I think some of you in this place would say, Pastor, help me out because I've been going to church faithfully. I've been reading my Bible. I've been doing this daily you know, reading devotion on my Bible app. But it seems like some days it's one step forward, two steps back. And I would say, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Because you got some people in your life who aren't helping you get where God wants you to get. You got some people in your life that are holding you back, actually, from where God wants you to be. Come on, I'm not saying you shouldn't have some church friends. We're called to be salt. We're called to be light. We're called to be influencers. But watch out who your closest circle of friends are who have influence over you because the definition of the kind of friend that you need is somebody who can help you up, help you get 
where you need to get, help you get going in the direction that God is calling you. And I'm telling you, as Christians, we were never called to be spiritual orphans. We need a family. We need a tribe. We need a community. We need some other believers in our lives. And so I want to encourage you, whatever season of life you're in, especially if you're single, pursue community. Pursue community. Amen? All right, here's number three. Talking about how do we live on mission? How do we, how do we live intentionally. The first one was pursue wholeness in Christ. The second one is pursue community. And number three is pursue your purpose. Come on, everybody say purpose. Pursue your purpose. Can I just encourage our singles in the house today that singleness is actually a strategic season to pursue your purpose, to pursue your education, to pursue your, your career growth, and I would say even to pursue your, your ministry. Now, I know some of you would say, my ministry, wait, you, you know, I was with you, Pastor, you know, education, career, but ministry, that's for like really spiritual people. That's for like really holy people, like pastors and priests and ordained people like you, Pastor Jeremy. Oh, no, 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 no. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, congratulations, you signed up for the ministry. Have you read the New Testament? Have you read the Gospels? Like Jesus calls us to take on his legacy, his ministry, his church. Like we all have a part to play. God has called each of us and equipped each of us with talents and gifts and passions and spiritual gifts to use for his purpose, to advance his kingdom, to serve someone else. Come on, and singleness is the perfect time to lean into that. Are you with me? Singleness is the perfect time to develop your purpose, to lean into discovering, God, how did you wire me? God, how do you want to use my experiences? How do you want to use my talents? God, how do you want to use what the passions that you've placed on the inside of me to make a difference, not just so I can make money, not just so I can advance myself, but God, so I can advance your kingdom. It's the perfect time to lean into that. Now, let me just be honest today. When I was growing up in church, the picture that we were always presented, uh, uh, the ultimate, ultimate picture of, of ministry was the married couple, you know, the married pastor and wife in full-time vocational ministry. In fact, when I was growing up in the Pente- in a Pentecostal church in the Assemblies of God, this is why we went to Bible college, okay? We went to Bible college, first of all, to study the Bible and get an education, but also to find a wife. That's why we went to Bible college. Come on, every semester, I was not only studying the Bible, I was studying all those honeys on campus every semester to find the right girl, okay? Oh yeah, extracurricular activities, you know what I'm saying? And, and this is how it worked. This is how it worked in my world growing up. You know, I figured if by the time I got to the end of Bible college, if I hadn't found a wife, they would issue me one. You know, here's your diploma. Here's your wife. Now, thank God, you know, I met Amy during that time, you know, and after a few years, we, we finally got together. You know, Amy says on our first date, she wasn't nearly as convinced as I was. I, first date, I was like, that's it. I am going to marry this girl. Amy was not nearly as convinced, but I knew she would pray for God's will. And so I began to pray, God, make it very clear that I am your will for her life. Come on, Lord, all of this right here, this is your will right here. This is your walking, talking, living, breathing will for her life. And come on, amen, after many prayers, God heard my cry, and he opened Amy's eyes to see the light. Can I get an amen? Somebody. (laughs) But here's the funny thing. Today, we mostly see Married pastors leading churches, at least in the Protestant world, right? Not, not so much in the Catholic church, obviously. 
But in, in most of the Protestant and Orthodox world, we see married pastors. But here's the interesting thing. In the first 1,500 years of church history, it was actually the opposite. It was the singles and the celebrants and the priests and the nuns and the monks who were actually celebrated. Singleness was actually celebrated over marriage in the church. Did you know that? In fact, it was the married people who were actually seen as the weaker people who gave into their flesh so they had to be married. Come on. You guys ever read that scripture? It's better to be married than to burn with passion. That's why we had to get married. Amy couldn't keep her hands off of me. He's like, come on, this is what the Bible says. <laughs> oh, come on. It's Super Bowl Sunday. We're having fun in church today. If you have a religious spirit, I'm here to, I'm here to help you lighten up a little bit today. Think about this for a moment. <laughs> Think about this for a moment. Jesus was single. Jesus was single. The apostle Paul was single, and they both ministered out of their singleness, not despite their singleness, do you see it? Do you get it? Like, aren't you thankful that the apostle Paul wasn't sitting around thinking, I didn't meet a girl in Bible college. How can I possibly start my ministry? How can I possibly begin to plant all of these churches and write most of the New Testament that God's calling me? Aren't you thankful he didn't let that disqualify him? Come on, single people. I came to encourage you this morning. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't say, well, I don't have a wife yet. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. No, no, no. He did the things the Father called him to do. He preached the things the Father called him to preach. He didn't let his singleness stop him. He didn't let it disqualify him. He stepped into his purpose, and he began to be used by God. He began to preach and heal and set people free. He didn't let his singleness hold him back. He ministered out of his singleness. And so I want to encourage you today. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us that singleness is a strategic season to pursue your God-given purpose. Did you know that Paul says that? 1 Corinthians 7, and let me just tell you, we only have time to cover a few verses. If you want to laugh, just read all of 1 Corinthians 7, okay? Get it, just, get, just get your Bible out today, later on today. And it's just a really, it's a fun chapter because the Apostle Paul just speaks to like all this stuff, singleness and marriage. All right, let me set this up for you, okay? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 35. Here's what Paul's talking about here. He's writing to the Corinthian church, and he's basically saying if you're single, like live unto the Lord as a single person. If you're married, live unto the Lord as a married person. Quit worrying about, you know, who's more spiritual than the other. Like be content where you are to live for God in this season. Okay, and then he gets to the single people in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 35, and here's what he says. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided, okay? Do you see it? He's like, if you're single, you got actually less on your plate than a married man, especially a married man with kids. In the same way, verse 34, in the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Look at verse 35. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best, whether married or single, whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Come on, Paul actually tells the singles, they're not disqualified. He says singleness is actually a strategic season for ministry because if you're single, you're able to be more focused. 
You, you have an undivided attention. You're more available to pursue the things of God. Can I stand up here as a married husband, a married pastor, a husband and a father of three and admit that the distractions are real? <laughs> the distractions of a home and, and a wife and kids, and a kids, as much as they're a blessing, there's more distractions. And so Paul says, as a single, you're actually to be more, you're able to be more focused on the purposes of God, the ministry that he has before you. Here's the idea. If you're single, you're not less than, you're strategic to the body of Christ. You're not less than, you're strategic to the body of Christ. We need you to step into your purpose. Come on, we need you to pursue your calling. We need you to pursue your mission. We need you to go after everything that God has for you and say, God, how do you want to use me in this season? How do you want me to develop my character? How do you want me to develop my gifts? How do you want me to develop my passions and use them to make a difference for your kingdom and to build your church? And I wish somebody who was single in the house would say amen, because I'm trying to encourage you this morning. You're not less than. You're not disqualified. You're qualified. In fact, it's all hands on deck. We need you. We need you. You know, our culture especially tells us in the single season, it's all about you. It's all about you in this season, your money, your vacations, your social life. Like, do everything you want to do now before you get married and settle down one day, like your life is over, like you're dead or something right? That's what our culture conveys to us. But can I just tell you this morning with every conviction in my heart, you will never be more satisfied than when you have a purpose that's bigger than yourself. You will never be more satisfied than when you find that thing that God put in your heart to do for his kingdom. It might be the simplest thing. It might be the smallest thing. It might be a big thing, a career change. It might just be serving somewhere in the church. We'll get you signed up today. Go sign up for Growth Track. We'll get you hooked up with what with God wants to use you, how he wants to use you. You will never be more fulfilled than when you get a purpose that's just bigger than yourself. Don't believe the lie of the culture that this season is just all about you. No, 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 no. Your life is too short. Your calling is too great. And to waste this season, we don't want to waste any season of our lives. We want to be intentional. We want to be intentional. God, I don't want to waste this season of my life. Side note for those of you who aspired to be married one day, to be in a relationship. I know that's not all of our singles, but, but side note for those of you who do. If you focus on your purpose, when you find the right person, you'll be even more prepared. Come on, don't get that mixed up because so many people are looking for, for fulfillment in a, in a person. No, no, no. God wants to give you your purpose before he gives you a person. How, how many of you know, before I ever went to Bible college, I went to Bible college to pursue my purpose, and I just ended up meeting a person. But I was going after the person of Jesus Christ when he brought a person into my life. Yeah. And so we got to get this right. you got to get your purpose before the person. If you will pursue your purpose before you meet the right person, when you meet the right person, you'll be all the more prepared. How many of you know that's true? You'll be more prepared. And here's how you'll know they're the right person. Pastor, help me. I found this, this person on my dating profile. Come on, I swiped right. We went out on a date. There was chemistry. There was sparks. Everything's great. They're amazing, but I'm trying to figure out if they're the right person for me. Here's how you'll know they're the right person if they help you in your purpose. If you find somebody and they seem like Mr. Right, but they don't help you in your God-given purpose, they aren't helping you get to the destination that God has for you. They're not helping you step into everything that God has for you to become the person that God is calling you to be, then it's really easy. They're not the right person for you. Oh, but I can change them, Pastor. Okay. <laughs> I can change them. Famous last words. 
No, no, no. You get the purpose before the person so that when God brings the right person into your life, you're all the more prepared and you'll know they're the right person if they help you move toward your purpose in life. And so lean into that. If you're single today, you have, you have a mission. Everybody in this place, single, married, available, unavailable, looking, not looking, you have a mission. And that is to live for God with intentionality. And I want to encourage you today, don't settle for anything less than God's best for you. Don't, don't settle for something or someone, anything less than God's best for your life. Maybe it's been a hard season. Maybe it's been a season of, of loneliness. Maybe it's been a season of feeling that pressure to find someone. Maybe it's been a season of temptation. It's hard to be celibate. Maybe it's a, it's a season where it's been hard to wait for the right person that God has for you. Can I just encourage you? God's got you in every season of your life. He's with you. Come on, it's hard to surprise an all-knowing God. He's not surprised that you're in this season of life. He sees you. His hand is upon you. There's a great purpose over your life, and we need you in the body of Christ. You're not less than, you're strategic. And I'll put my hand up and represent the married people here today. Like, we need you to lean into everything that God has for you, because when you do, you make the body of Christ better. And I want to say, I'm so thankful that we have an army of young singles in this church who serve in so many beautiful ways. And I want to just say hats off to you. I honor you today. I honor you today. I mean that. We have some great young singles who are serving in creative arts, leading worship and in production behind the scenes and, and loving on our kids and kids' church and welcoming you in guest services. And I honor you today. And you're a gift to this church. And you're a blessing. Come on, let's stand this morning. Let's pray. Let's take a moment to just lean into this. And it really doesn't matter whether you're single or married or whatever going through a divorce or whatever season of life you're in right now, God's got a purpose for your life. And I can stand up here with every ounce of conviction in my heart and tell you, you will never be more fulfilled than when you lean in and live into a purpose that God has for you that's bigger than you. It's the greatest thing you could ever do is he sees you right now, right here. All we have is this moment, this season, the good, the bad, the ugly. All we have is right now. Your life is too short. Your calling is too great to squander this season that you're in right now. So God, help us. God, help us. Come on, we're going to pray to this. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your unconditional, self-sacrificial love. Jesus, we want to love the way you loved us. And so, Lord, we open our hearts today because we recognize the greater our revelation of your love for us the greater our ability will be to love the people that you've placed around us, God. And so, Father, we pray that you would make our hearts whole. Father, I pray that over every person in this place, pour your love into their hearts. God, make us whole. We pursue wholeness in you. God, help us to find our family. Help us to find our tribe, to find our community where we can be nurtured and loved into wholeness. And Father, help us to pursue our God-given purpose in you. Purpose that's bigger than ourselves, God. Purpose that's just bigger than ourselves. And that you want to work in us. You want to work through us. You want to use us. I pray especially for our single people today to know that they're not less than. They're strategic. They're called. And they're needed in the body of Christ. And every one of us, wherever we are, we're needed in your kingdom. We thank you for it. We receive your love today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.